Gracias, mi amigos, for coming to the podcast. It's Top Turtle, episode 66. How did we make it 66 episodes, Gumby? Uh, we, of course, are brought to you by the best mouthguard maker on the market. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about Sisu. What's that you say? Sisu. S-I-S-U. Guard.com is where you can go to find out about Sisu mouthguards. You could talk, you could breathe, you could drink, all with the mouthguard in your mouth. It's a feat of science. It's a feat of modern ingenuity. It fits in your mouth, but it's comfortable. It's like the Rolls Royce of mouthguards. Sisu, just do it. Sisu, it's what's for dinner. Sisu, you're going to like the way your mouth guard feels. I guarantee it. Head on over to sisuguard.com. You are not going to want to miss out on a Sisu mouth guard if you do a high-impact sport or activity. You heard it here first. Top Turtle MMA Podcast. And it's brought to you by Sisu Mouthguards. We are rolling. I am David Tremonti, joined as always by my co-host Daniel Gumby Vreeland, the co-editor of MMA-Manifesto.com, our mothership, part of the Sports Daily Network. You, of course, can catch us there, TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, wherever a podcast is being streamed, we're there, I promise. Give us a like, give us a download, give us a subscribe, write a review. It really helps keep the lights on at the Top Turtle Podcast Studio. Gumby, one of the things I always hear about our podcast from our listeners is that we just stick on topic. We're not here to LOL and whoop it up with, you know, a bunch of horse shit and talk about our days or our hair or our personal lives. We're just a couple of buddies talking fights, big fight fans, uh, and, and that's what we do. It's what brought us to the dance. So let's get right into it. Let's do it. Do you like Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson? I, I do. Uh, it, you know what the funny thing to me? So l- let's talk a little bit about his popularity before we talk about that one-sided beatdown. Well, let's let's <laughs> l- let's just say it loud and proud. Demetrius Johnson uh, armbarred Wilson Hayes in a, just a black belt, a jujitsu black belt, a beatdown <laughs> clinic for three rounds. I thought it was going to end in the second round. He got the sub in the third round. Uh, but bottom line is, uh, you know, now there's a lot of narrative that he's the goat, the best ever. It's nine in a row, right? For ten, ten in a row. Oh, ten in a row. So he has to go one more to break Anderson's record. Yeah, and and you know what? So I, I do want to say this about his popularity. The thing that t- that strikes me as really really odd is that there are so many people out there talking about the reason that they don't like Mighty Mouse is because he doesn't finish fights. And I, I think six of those ten fights he did finish. Right. I, so that's not actually what I hear as far as a knock on the little but, guy. But I you, hear but that if it's... you looked at the odds too on that fight. Mighty Mouse to finish Wilson Hayes mm-hmm. was even money. Right. So uh, he's he's a negative 780 favorite or something like that. But it's even money if you bet any finish, sub mm-hmm. or KO, and you didn't even have to pick one. So clearly, even the bookmakers and the odds makers aren't saying that this is a guy who finishes people, which to me is, is unfair. Well, yeah. I, I mean, mean, it's not unfair to the betting public. But. I mean, he certainly – he had a string here. Uh, Chris Carriasso, Kimura, Kyoji Hiraguchi, Armbar, then a decision against Dotson, but then a TKO over Cejudo. So, you know, from 2014 to 2016, there were three out of four uh, finishes there. But bottom line is that's not the knock I hear on him. The knock I hear on him is he's just so tiny. I feel like Vince McMahon. He's so tiny. But you're you're kind of right too, and, and it is unfair because with the exception of, I don't know, maybe BJ Penn and, and now Conor McGregor, 
you're right. The people who have been stars, if you look at the history of the UFC, are the big guys, right? Like, you know, Brock Lesnar was a star. Chuck Liddell was a star. Anderson Silva was a star. All those guys are 185 and up. Um, so, I, I mean, there is something to that. It, it's so hard to, to pump I, up a guy I, who's so small. I've always said this. I think one of the problems with Demetrius Johnson is that we also saw him at 135 where Dominic Cruz beat him, and then he went down. He lost it, to Brad Pickett at 35, too, which is worth Great mentioning. point. And was the McCall fights at 125 or 135? They were 125. Okay, they yeah. were 125. But bottom line is... You know, it almost feels like the 125-pound division was almost a place for him to hide because Dominic Cruz had 135 on lockdown. Yeah, so so is, are you saying that this is the feeling we get if Jermaine Durandamine runs off another eight wins? She's like, yeah, she's not the pound-for-pound pound best because they created a division for her and it, she's just sitting there with nobody? I, I can't even say that's a division. I mean, we, it was just announced <laughs> that Holly Holm is now back to fighting at 135. She just challenged for the belt at 145. So, so officially there's zero people in that division. Have they even signed anyone at 145 from, like, Invicta or anything? No. They haven't yet, okay. no. So, it, I mean, they let's signed, not... They signed Cindy Dandelow, who fights this weekend, yeah, yeah, yeah. she's fighting awesome. at 35. It, it, <laughs> they all suck. Okay, here's the bottom line. Let's. I don't even want to get off on the 145-pound featherweight debacle. <laughs> Let's just stay on this, which is the fact that people want to call him the GOAT. You know, it's definitely a company line the UFC's pushing. And here's where I have a huge problem with that. All due respect to Joseph Benavidez, in this run of defenses, it's Benavidez, uh, Dotson, are very worthy title challengers that he beat. But let me just bring up a man by the name of John Jones who's finished or has beaten and defended his title against how many former champions? Beat Lyoto Machida, former champion. Beat Shogun to win the belt, former champion, obviously. He took his belt from him. Beat Rampage Jackson, former champion. Beat Rashad Evans, former champion. Beat DC, current champion now after all the shenanigans that happened with jones but the bottom line is don't come at me with demetrius mighty mouse johnson it's john jones just on strength of schedule to borrow a term from the nfl yeah and if you wanted to use joseph benavidez as part of the strength of schedule i mean john jones beat alexander gustafson who is the joseph benavidez of 205 (laughs) that's a good comparison uh let's wrap this up gumby where do you go next with demetrius mighty mouse johnson who challenges him before you just force him to move up to 135 and play with the big boys so i I think (laughs) not that 135 i I think he's gonna obviously he's gonna stay here to break that record um i I mean benavidez is a realistic fight again um which i mean that's scary to say you could also put him up against ray borg with a win might be interesting if he fought somebody meaningful and uh you know this weekend there's a fight between dustin ortiz and brandon moreno um ortiz's only recent loss is wilson hayes so i I mean maybe the winner of that one well whatever i don't care it's not there's no impressive name out there except for like i said ray borg might be the only legitimate person he hasn't fought now, this division I actually find exciting. Uh, Rose Namajunas at women's strawweight uh, beat Michelle Waterson with a beautiful rear naked choke in the second round. Waterson got the uh, judo takedowns off the headlock. Yeah, but she took the back. But then gave up her back. Somewhat negated. Rose's transitions just look beautiful on the ground. Uh, I think Rose is ready for a title fight. Rose is a fan favorite at this point. She almost reminds me of like a pint size uh, Diaz brother. She's got the jits. Her striking's come along. It's come along. I don't think it's at Ioana levels. We saw Carolina Kowalkowicz put a tour in a predominant striking matchup last summer. 
But I root for Rose. I'm happy for Rose. Uh, and what do you think happens next for these two? I, I mean, I, I think you're right about Rose Nami Yunus. I think it's time for her to get that title fight. I, I think the most impressive thing about that fight was that head kick. I mean, her striking, yeah. like you said, has just come so damn far. Um, and, and really, she didn't need to take... Watterson's back to choke her out because she was going to knock her out anyway. She was <laughs> so woozy. I mean, she was she was definitely on wobbly legs. Now, still. Joanna's going to fight uh, Andrade in early June. Does Claudia Gadelia have a fight? I could see them matching. I think Col- she does. Okay, we'll have the intern um, check that out right now. But let's say if Claudia doesn't, I could see them doing um, Claudia versus Rose. Just with- to just to figure out if she's worthy of another. But one. you're right though, because Claudia has the loss to Joanna. Maybe they just go ahead and give Rose the fight. Yeah, I, I think she's ready for it. Uh, and like you said, she's super marketable, and it's all about marketing. Oh, that's interesting. Days. Actually, Claudia is fighting Carolina Kowalkowicz. I yeah. forgot about that. Okay, so At she does the it same one. UFC 212. Very. Uh, that's a great fight. Yeah. Uh, now, this is interesting. Uh, Jacare Souza heading into this weekend was going to fight out his contract. The UFC <laughs> resigned him before that contract could expire. I wonder if they regret it. Now he got uh, TKO'd in the second round to Bobby Whitaker, friend of the show. Uh, Whitaker surging at middleweight. Middleweight has become a very interesting division. Actually, super, super because crowded. Let's talk about this. You have a resurgent Johnny Hendricks, a resurgent uh, Kevin Gastelum, two guys forced out of 170 due to weight cutting issues who look better at the higher weight class. You know, Hendricks, maybe a little more to prove, but still a former welterweight champion. Then, of course, you have the usuals, the Widemans, uh, coming off a controversial loss to Musasi. Musasi? Uh, you have Musasi if he resigns. We don't know yet. Yep. Rock and then Rockhold. And then, of course, uh, everyone's favorite Ninja Turtle, Yoel Romero. <laughs> Um, and then you have that at the top of the, uh, the division, you have Bisping and GSP fighting for the title, who I think most people would say are not the two best middleweights, yeah. but what an interesting division now, huh? Yeah. And it's crazy. And, and I just can't get over how good Robert Whitaker looked because, you know, I had Jacare Souza in that fight. I, I predicted him to win. I said, I thought he was the best middleweight in the world and he looked like he had nothing to give. Robert Whitaker. Well, striking-wise, I mean, I've never thought of Jacare as a striker extraordinaire. But he's and knocked some dudes out, too, though. Sure. Yeah. But I just think, you know what? When you saw when Whitaker was getting the better of the exchanges, Salza was throwing not even combinations, mm-hmm. uh, and then he couldn't get the takedown, I was just like, oh, man, this is going to be a long night for him. Yeah. And Holy it, well, fuck. Unfortunately, it wasn't a long yeah, night for him. Well said. Very punny. Very funny. All right. Uh, let's look at the rest of the card. Give me a fight you enjoyed, or give me a fighter performance uh, that surprised you or you were impressed by. Our man, Aljamain Sterling, defeated Augusto Mendez, looked very good, uh, won by decision. What else? Um, so I-, I was absolutely shocked by how good Renato Moicano looked against Jeremy Stevens, winning a split decision there. And I think it was a, a, an injustice that it was split because I clearly had him winning two divisions or two rounds, rather. Um, the fight you have to go back and watch. If, if you are listening to this podcast and you did not watch tim elliott fight lewis smolka uh, at flyweight if you were a fan of grappling or even if you're not a fan of grappling go back and watch it because the grappling exchanges in that fight will make you love grappling it was so damn good and for me 
it just takes Tim Elliott's stock through the roof. Absolutely. And I, again, just want to highlight, because I'm a huge Aljamain Sterling fan, uh, I thought he looked a lot better. I thought he said some interesting things after the fight, too. Like, uh, you know, he felt that due to stupid judges not being able to score his last two fights the right way, uh, that he had to throw more punches than kicks because judges were uneducated enough to really rank or judge how successful the kicks were. Um, so that was very interesting to me. And, uh, I also want to say that, uh, Zach Cummins with a guillotine choke also, uh, a standout performance. So with that being said, Gumby, um, is there anything else you want to talk about in the news section? Um, you know, so we mentioned it a little bit at the top with, with Holly Holm getting booked with Dutch Correa as the headliner for UFC Singapore. It's just crazy to me that she's going back to 35, leaving that division with pretty much nothing. Um, uh, apart from that, I, I mean, not a whole lot of fight booking. Well, recently. here's the other crazy thing is that Cyborg's contract with the UFC is up this October. Yeah. I, so it might not have been a per fight, but it actually just was, you know, month uh, yeah, well, it's got an expiration date on it, right? Like, I, which I'm pretty sure most of them do. So, I, well, I thought usually it goes by fights. Without getting too into the weeds on it, though, what is up with the featherweight division? So, is, is she going to fight Jermaine Durandamy, beat her, and then walk away? Because yeah. she's not been super happy with how the UFC's promoted her. I, I mean, to me, what happened was. The UFC booked a fight between Holly Holm and Jermaine Durandamine, hoping Holly Holm, the face of the person who beat Ronda Rousey, would win a new title, bring excitement to a new division. And what happened was she got poked in the eye about seven times. She got hit after the bell a couple of times, and she lost to somebody who is super not marketable right now. Jermaine Durandamine. Um, Jermaine Durandamine. And, and, you know, it's no offense to Jermaine, uh, but, you know, she's a European uh you know, featherweight in a division that doesn't have a lot of people and her mic skills aren't good. So uh, why would people get behind her? And as a result, now the UFC is kind of left thinking, well, we had this brilliant plan and it didn't go to plan. One other thing to mention is that Dana White has said uh, if Jones wants to fight for the title at the end of July against uh, Daniel Cormier, he can. Or if Jones wants to take a warm-up fight, a tune-up fight, since he's been out for so long, then he would give that title fight to Manawa. What do you want to see happen? I want Manawa to have it. I think he's ready to have it, and it would be interesting to see somebody like Rumble Johnson try to execute the plan you that mean, Rumble didn't execute. Oh, I see yeah, what you're saying. And, yeah, yeah. I think Jimmy Wan was a lot like Rumble Johnson. He punches super hard. He's got decent sprawls. It would be interesting to see if he can implement the game plan that Henry Hoove drew up for, for Rumble. All right, we will transition now. We had a chance to catch up with Matt Schnell, UFC flyweight, and we want to play you this interview, but I want to mention that it's brought to you by Datsusara. Datsusara makes fight gear out of hemp. Hemp, a billion trillion, infinity times stronger than cotton. Look it up. Google the shit if you don't believe me. And you want, you're going to want to head to dsgear.com to actually check out Datsusara Hemp Gear. I cannot recommend the fight shorts enough. They're my favorite pair of fight shorts. I roll in them all the time, and they're the best pair of fight shorts I've ever owned, and that's a fact, Jack. Head on over to dsgear.com. Check out Fight Gear Made from Hemp. Datsusara brings you our interview with UFC fighter Matt Schnell. This is David Tremonti of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and we are talking to Matt Danger Schnell, who fights Hector Sandoval at Ultimate Fight Night 108 in Nashville on April 22nd. Matt, we'll get right into it. You were on the Ultimate Fighter 24 
possibly one of the most talent-heavy seasons um, in recent tough memory, if not ever. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway from the show? What did you learn? How was the experience? First and foremost, the experience, the experience was amazing. You know, uh, learned a lot, took a lot from it. Uh, it, it was, it was just good to be surrounded by so many guys that you knew were proven and, uh, to, to, to be around such a great cast. But, you know, I also learned through the process that I'm supposed to be there and I belong. And, uh, you know, that's the biggest thing I took away from it. Yeah, certainly. I mean, you actually lost to the eventual champion of the show, Tim, Tim Elliott. Um, what did you learn from that matchup about yourself and, and, you know, the, the whole experience? You know, tough to say I, I, I don't think i learned much i got smoked pretty quickly you know within the first round so i didn't really uh take much away from it tim is a talented guy who just came and you know took took uh took advantage of an opportunity that he saw and was able to finish me but um i mean it, it was it was a fight and you know i felt him and i, I felt his strength and his ability, and I, you know, I know that I can compete with those guys. Well, absolutely. I mean, you're one of the few fighters to actually get the call to the UFC after the show. I, you know, uh, yourself, uh, Elliot, and then Pantoja and Selton. Is that at all surprising to you that so few of the fighters have, you know, I guess you could say, matriculated into the the main roster of the UFC? Uh, you know, it it is it is surprising. I, I think towards the beginning we. We all thought we were going to get signed. You know, that was kind of the feel in the house. Was we thought that we were all going to be in the UFC, but uh, it's unfortunate that it didn't play out that way. And you know, it's kind of curious too because it is—it's a very shallow division, and it's not like it couldn't use an influx of talent. So, I—I uh, I, I thought that we would see more of those guys get the call up. But I'm—I'm uh, I'm happy, and you know, I feel very fortunate that I'm one of the guys who ended up getting the call. Absolutely. Now, your UFC debut was against a very hot prospect in Rob Font. Uh, talk to us a little bit about the mentality of facing off with such a tough out. Um, you know, in the weight class that you're usually above uh, fighting in, what was the takeaway from that experience? What did you learn from it? Uh, you know, it was it was tough. Um, obviously, you take the opportunity to fight in the UFC, whether it's on six days notice or six months notice it really doesn't matter you know you take your opportunity so i just uh i, I couldn't think of it much past that i i didn't i wasn't looking at rob Bond. i was just looking at the fact that i was going to be able to fight in the ufc which was a dream of mine so um you know I, I felt like i competed well i just didn't get it done i yeah, that is a weight class up so i don't think i'm ever going to be able to get that one back but I, it is one that i feel like you know, if a few things would have gone differently, it certainly could have gone my way. I felt good out there. And I think the biggest thing I took away was uh, the fact that, you know, I'm ready all the time. I train all the time. I'm in good shape. Uh, six days notice. Again, six months notice. Doesn't matter. I'm, I'm a fighter, so I can do this. Well, absolutely. So l let's flip then to the upcoming fight. Uh, you're in your regular weight class. Um, how's the prep work going for Hector Sandoval? He's a noted wrestler, usual team alpha male type, powerful, very fast. How are you preparing for that stylistically? Uh, well, you know, we're, we're just uh, trying to find bodies that are similar to him and putting myself in situations we think that we're going to be in. Nothing crazy. You know, I, I, he doesn't uh, necessarily, he's, he's not a crazy puzzle to solve. He's yeah, like you said, an alpha male guy's got a good overhand right, got a good front headlock series, good left-handed guillotine. He's sharp, but uh, it's it's a fist fight. I'm gonna go out there and impose my will, be physical. 
I'm, I believe I'm the bigger, stronger man, so we'll definitely see. Uh, now, my research might be incorrect here, so correct me if I'm wrong, but were you also working with Brad Pickett for his retirement fight, which went down this past weekend? Yeah, I've been working with Pickett for the last three years on you know throughout training camp. So since I moved to American Top Team, I've been working with Brad Pickett. What What did you think of the the final night? Obviously, you know he was ahead on scorecards. The late uh, head kick in the the final round it it was semi heartbreaking. But I, I thought Dan Hardy described it best. You know the crowd they, they didn't really care what the outcome was on, on that night. It was really a celebration of his career. How did you feel about it? Sure, but uh, Brad went out there to win, you know, and and we all, uh, you know, we were all rooting for him to win, and you know, it, it was it was definitely heartbreaking to everybody, especially us involved. Um, but Brad's a warrior, you know, and this is the fight game, and it's not it's not a fair game. It's not uh, the person who deserves to win isn't the person who's going to win. It was Brad's retirement fight. He was supposed to be able to ride off into the sunset, but it's just a reminder of how unfair. Uh, fighting is you know if you, you don't get what you deserve you get what you earn and unfortunately it just didn't go brad's way and uh you know i love the guy and he's the man and you know i think he said it best after his press conference a younger him would have eaten that kick for mm-hmm. breakfast lunch and dinner and kept moving <laughs> forward and uh it, it's the right time and he he's going to offer that you know like like everybody says uh like all the media was saying and people can only take you know what the media says with a grain of salt but i can tell you this guy He's an incredible coach. He's an incredible. Uh, he's incre- He's an incredible guy to have on the mat. Just as far as his presence, he, he makes it fun to train day in and day out. And he'll he'll definitely be missed at American Top Team. But this guy is going to do so much more for the sport uh, here in the here in the you know in the future. So it's exciting. Yeah, very well said. And and just from the fans' perspective, he he was always awesome to watch because you could tell he he put his you know his whole soul into all of his fights. Uh, yeah. Matt, we cannot thank you enough for the time. Uh, Matt fights Hector Sandoval at Ultimate Fight Night 108 in Nashville on April 22nd. Matt, thank you so much again, and uh, best of luck in the fight. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. Tune in. You know, it's on Fight Pass. Uh, one of the first fight. It is the first fight on Fight Pass. So make sure you tune in. I'm an exciting fighter, uh, and yeah, I appreciate you guys for having me. All right, Gumby. There you have it. Matt Schnell. Yeah, I'm. I just can't tell you how excited I am that more people from Tough Twenty Four are winding up on the roster too. Because you know, at first it looked like just Tim Elliott was going to get his shot, and then Pantoja and uh, uh, Shelton got their shot. So uh, good to see Schnell get on the board too. Absolutely. Um, let's transition now. Uh, Fight Night One Hundred Eight this weekend from Nashville, April Twenty Second, is headlined by Cub Swanson versus. Wait a minute, this can't be right. Artem Loba, friend of the show, Artem. <laughs> two and two, uh, but headlining a show uh, unranked. We finally get to get into it, so to speak. Artem Lobov, a plus 490 dog to Cub Swanson, who's coming off that crazy fight with Duhu Choi, a minus 680 favorite. I guess the UFC is thinking this is going to be a stand-and-bang affair. What do you think? I think it's going to be a stand-and-bang affair, too. But for me, the difference maker here is just the speed and volume of Cub Swanson, along with his the angles he takes when he boxes, versus just the pure punching power of Artem Lobov. Because Artem Lobov does have crazy knockout power. I mean, if you watched him on The Ultimate Fighter, the dude knocks some people out. And the dude knocks some people out violently. So to me, 
this is the right kind of opponent if Lobov wants to go up into the, the tops of the division. It's somebody who's going to stand in front of him and trade, and that's what he said with us in that interview. But to me, the difference maker is just that Cub is, is so much quicker, and Cub uh, does so much better of a job at making angles. Um, and, and as a result, I, I've got him in this one all the way. All right, well, worth noting, Cub uh, Swanson is coming off three decision wins, uh, although the Doohoo Choi fight yeah, felt like it could have been stopped. That goes down as a decision. <laughs> it could have been stopped a million times. Artem Lobov, uh, four fights in the UFC. He's two and two. They've all gone to decision. So I don't know if I'm necessarily buying uh, that this thing ends early, but you know what? Fighting is unpredictable, so who the hell knows? Uh, this is an exciting fight. Ally Aquinta, he's back. He's on a four-fight win streak, for Christ's sake. Uh, TKO'd Rodrigo Dam, TKO'd Ross Pearson, TKO'd Joe Lazan, and got a split decision win over Jorge Masvidal. Don't fucking boo me. He's going to be fighting UFC veteran Diego Sanchez. El Nightmare, the Nightmare. He's coming off a win over Marcin Held, a unanimous decision win back in November. Lost to Joe Lozon back at UFC 200 and beat Jim Miller all the way back at UFC 196 last March. So he's 2-1 and one in his last three. Who you got here, Gumby? Uh, I'm going with Ayakinta. I just think... Uh... Even with the layoff, right now, Diego Sanchez does not look like a really well-rounded fighter. And to me, I, I don't think there's any way he saves off the takedown attempts from Ayakinta and the top game from Ayakinta. Um, you know, if, if he initiates at first, maybe he's got a shot there. But but to me, this is a match that Ayakinta wins with his grappling. Uh, and uh, worth mentioning, Ayakinta, the minus 420 favorite. But you can get Diego Sanchez as a plus 335 dog in most sports books. Uh, moving on to light heavyweight, uh, you have... Ovin St. Preux coming off a very uh, poor performance against Vulcan Ozdemir, which was a fight taken on short notice. OSP, the minus 185 favorite to Marcus Rogerio de Lima, the plus 160 dog. Who you got? I'm going to go with OSP. You know, I, th- I think uh, de Lima is, is better than people give him credit for. Um, you know, he, he's got a really good submission win over Clint Hester, who I respect a lot. Um, he got a TK over Jeremy Kimball his last time out. But to me, when he steps up in the skill level to people who, who don't just specialize but are good everywhere, he's had trouble. Uh, he had a really tough time with Nikita Krylov. He had a really tough time with... I'm going to say his name wrong. Gazamad Harad Antigolov. God bless um, you. Yeah, who's also really super good uh, and well-rounded at 205. So when he steps in with those guys who are well-rounded like OSP, he's had trouble. And to me, I think that's it. The OSP can take this so many different places that Le- Delima can't. John Dotson is a minus 410 favorite to Eddie Wineland, a plus 330 dog. What say you? I, I think those odds are just about right. To me, Dotson is so fast for the Bantamweight division. And, and when you've watched Eddie Wineland's fights in the past he is the type of guy who's been clipped without the best shots and has still gone down I mean think back to the Henan Brow spinning back kiss it didn't land flush but he still kind of went down so I like Dodson by knockout here Stevie Ray is a minus 220 fav Minus, ooh, let me start that one over. A minus 225 favorite over veteran Joe Lazan, plus 185 dog. Never count out Joe Lazan, but what are you thinking? Uh, I'm not counting out Joe Lazan because to me, Stevie Ray has to win a fight by grappling, right? Because he's not the best striker. Uh, the, the Scottish prod, uh, product is definitely getting it done with wrestling. And you don't want to wrestle Joe Lozon. He snatches up next. He, I mean, he sweeps people. He's an ace on the ground, and he's recently shored up his boxing. I mean, you watched him knock out Diego Sanchez. So I'm going to go with Joe Lozon with the upset here, which 
to me also is a weird sentence. Oh, going with a dog. All right. Uh, and then rounding out our breakdown, but kicking off the main card on FS1, you have Jake Ellenberger versus Mike Perry. Ellenberger is a plus 160 favorite. Mike Perry, a minus 185 dog. Uh, you mean one, minus 185 uh, favorite? favorite. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. So I, I think Perry is the rightful favorite here. Even though Jake Ellenberger looked good his last time out, Perry has got crazy knockout power. Um, and despite being neutralized his last time out, I think he takes this one over uh, Ellenberger with the big right hand. Looking at the prelims on FX uh, FS2 Gumby and the prelims on Fight Pass, give us a fight or fighter to watch out for. you got to watch Brian Bam Bam Barberena uh, fighting Joe Proctor, welcoming him up to welterweight we talked to him last week uh he's super focused for this fight super pumped i always also think you never can miss a fight uh friend of the show sam elvey is in uh I, knockout power for days he's fighting tialis latis and, and the other one i'll throw out there too really excited flyweight fight between dustin ortiz and brandon moreno that in a very thin flyweight division might have title implications boom you heard it here first that wraps up our preview um, and we actually have a little bit of a show announcement to make, and we can't thank our fans enough for even allowing us to make such an announcement. It's all because of them, our listeners. Uh, we will be actually moving our home uh, starting next week with episode 68. Uh, we 67. Are 67, you're right. Can't count. Uh, but we will be moving to Flow Combat, which we're very excited by. We cannot thank MMA Manifesto enough giving us our start. Uh, Gumby will still be writing for them, still the co-editor of MMA Manifesto. So it's certainly not a bad breakup by any means. No, you can, you can still catch all my stuff there, uh, and you can you can catch a lot of other stuff by a lot of talented other writers on MMA-Manifesto.com. So make sure you head on over there for all of the news and results. So we'll be back next week. You can still catch us in all the same places, but also now part of the Flow Combat family. Very excited about it. We'll be back next week. I am David Tremonti. He is Daniel Gumby Vreeland. This was Top Turtle MMA Podcast. Enjoy them fights.